welcome to From Our Vantage Point, where you can easily access expert perspective and practical approaches to tackling common topics and concerns in not-for-profit governance and management. My name is Maria Turnbull, Associate Executive Director at Vantage Point and your host. On behalf of Vantage Point's entire team, welcome and thank you again for joining us. From Our Vantage Point is brought to you by Humanity Financial Management, a chartered accounting firm dedicated to helping Canadian not-for-profit charitable and social enterprises build capacity for strong internal financial management. Humanity Financial Management's part-time controllers and CFOs provide support for budgeting, reporting, audit preparation, policies and procedures, and internal controls. Their results, financial risk reduction and asset protection. Visit Humanity Financial Management online at humanityfinancial.ca. Each podcast, we focus for just 10 to 15 minutes on one specific area of interest. Today, I have the incredibly fun task of interviewing Jill Werflinger, a kindred spirit in the sector, someone who believes in the power of volunteer engagement to transform our organizations and our communities more than anyone else I know. Jill is currently National Director of Volunteer Engagement at the Canadian Diabetes Association. Other recent day jobs have included Manager Volunteer Engagement of BC Yukon Division of the Canadian Cancer Society, Manager of National Olympic Committee, National Paralympic Committee Assistance Program for VANOC, Vancouver Organizing Committee for the 2010 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games, and Field Executive for Scouts Canada. Phew! That's a, um, a mighty list. Um, and uh, we really are in great company to talk about pretty much any aspect of volunteer engagement. Today, I've asked Jill to bring her expertise and her perspective on effective volunteer engagement within a unionized work environment. Jill, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me to the conversation. Uh, Jill, when we're speaking with groups about increasing opportunities to engage volunteers, on occasion we get pushback. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine that. Uh, Especially when it comes from executive directors, staff, working in unionized workplaces. And that's why we, we wanted to introduce this topic today. Um, they, they say they can't or it would be really difficult to engage volunteers in different roles where in particular where roles and responsibilities may be viewed as conflicting with staff positions. Um, you've seen this at play in your work, Jill? We've absolutely seen this at play in our work and, um, and absolutely overcome any challenges that we thought were there. I think there's three really important things to keep in mind when you're approaching volunteerism in a union environment. And those three things are exactly the same three things you should keep in mind when you're bringing volunteers into any workplace. And those are communication, number one. Number two, getting buy-in. And number three, education. And maybe the fourth one for working with a unionized environment is that you really need to know the collective agreement. Both sides do, the union, unionized uh, workers as well as the management staff. So, um, Do you want to walk us through each of those? So tell me more about so, communication. Well, communication, I mean, you really need to develop a relationship with the people that you're working with so that you can be open and have frank discussions um, and understand what are, what are the limitations that you, that collective agreement might create for engaging volunteers, but what are the opportunities as well and and just if both sides can see that this can really help both the organization and that unionized employee then all of those um, challenges and the reasons why you think you can't seem to just melt away and in our um, in one example that's coming to my mind had a such a, a wonderful frank open discussion with the shop steward 
and came to understand that what's really important is that, um, and it makes a lot of sense, that you can't just create roles where there were none and stick an unpaid person next to a paid person. And that's, um, that's a pretty good lesson. That's a pretty good thing to keep in mind anyway. Yeah. But if what you want to do is support your unionized employees by helping them with different support for bits and pieces of the work, um, then that's okay. And in many instances that I've worked with, that definitely doesn't contravene the collective agreement, doesn't cause any problems. But it's important that um, the work that the volunteer is coming in to do, that it's supportive and that it's something that can be picked up and put down and not uh, something that is going to be left there as though that volunteer has a staff role and only that person can do it. Yeah, and, and as you said, you know, it's really true for volunteer engagement across the board that mm-hmm. we're engaging volunteers for uh, those those project pieces that uh, wouldn't be replacing a full-time staff person. So definitely I can see in both contexts that being yeah. really relevant. Yeah. So number two, you mentioned uh, buy-in. Yeah. So how working with unionized employees for me isn't any different than working with other paid employees um, in terms of getting buy-in. And in many cases, people are so happy to have someone to share the work with But in some cases, people are a bit concerned about getting a volunteer in and whether those concerns are spoken or unspoken. Things are running through their head like, you know, what if this person takes all the work and then they think they don't need a paid person anymore? What if this person is better at doing this than I am? And I approach it with all employees in the same way, which is to ask that question. What is it that you really love about your job and what are the parts of your job that it doesn't matter if you're doing them or somebody else is doing them. What parts of your job could you actually share with someone so that you can get to the stuff that only you can do and that you really love to do? And then what if I could get you a volunteer to help you with those bits and pieces and it freed you up to do the parts that you are the best person to do? And uh, in the example that I'm thinking of, there's support um, with our shop steward, there's support for um, data entry which just has to get done in a week. And it's a bit bits and pieces of work. It's little work that can be chunked out. There's support for putting together packages or helping to prepare when we're going off to uh, do a presentation somewhere. And that's the kind of work that, as I keep saying, can be picked up and put down. And it's not, re- it's not taking a job from anyone. It's really supporting the capacity of that person to do their job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can think of the... Um, probably thousands of times in my own day job when I've met that, you know, I've, I'm doing what I love, I'm doing what I love, and there's certain projects, pieces of work that just aren't getting any attention at all, and it's probably because I don't have the strength or the skill to actually do it well, and those are the moments when I've said, aha, uh, a serious opportunity to bring somebody in to uh, get me moving, get, get things moving forward and bring skill to the organization that nobody currently has on the team. Uh, or even just give you space to uh, be able to think about those things that you have the best experience and the best skill set to address. And there's all those little tasks that get in the way of us actually creating. I've got a couple of projects on my desk right now on my list where you just don't have the two hours that you need to really sit down and think about it because you're doing all of these little unrelated tasks that come at you all the time. And so as an extension of that buy-in, maybe um, a question of 
quality of service. Um, so I've you know seen a little yeah. bit of noise out there uh, in terms of organizational staff concerns about the quality of, of the volunteer delivery. Um, any any thoughts and challenge to that? Um, I'm smiling right now because I have a unique viewpoint. Maybe it's not unique, but I but I do have a, a particular view on this. And where I've heard that concern, uh, what immediately comes to my mind is that I look at the, the contributions of paid staff and volunteers, I look at them to bear equal weight. And we have, um, in every workplace I've ever been in, there's people who are better at what they're doing and people who maybe aren't in exactly the right role for what they need to be doing. And that's the same for volunteers. And I really believe firmly that we are not obliged to offer every volunteer who wants one a volunteer role. And so if you believe that, then you're also comfortable in freeing up a volunteer's future to do another role if the one that they're in doesn't bring the skill or the quality that you need for that task. Because under no circumstances should we be sacrificing skill and quality. There's lots of people out there who will bring that to a volunteer role. But I look at that as being equally important on the paid and volunteer side. Absolutely. And we just have to have the courage to be honest with people and just say, I really appreciate you wanting to volunteer for this. Um, But I think, you know, this isn't exactly what any of us thought it was going to be. And so let's see if we can find another role that's a bit of a better fit and make sure that the staff person has also the support that they need and deserve. Excellent. Um, Thirdly, you talked about education. Yeah. Tell us more. So the education piece, um, I think I'm already working my way into that a little bit, just with my ideas, sharing my ideas around, um, you know, what you need to bring to the role and that it's okay to ask for that. But one piece that often gets overlooked because we're so excited to engage that help and have it is that we don't maybe lay out clearly what the expectations are. It doesn't always need to be so formal as a two-page role description for someone, but we do need to lay out clearly what are the expectations, uh, what is this volunteer going to do, um, what are, how are we going to measure the success of the project and of the contributions, and we need to educate the staff as well that they can ask for what they need, which is very different from, um, from taking what comes. And a number of the Vantage Point seminars talk about different um, things, uh, different ones that I've been to and contributed to. We really talk about how do you create that role description? How do you get what you need? How do you find the people with the skill set? And most important there is matching. And if you don't educate yourself on what it is you're actually trying to accomplish and make sure that both sides have, have the same picture of that, you're going to get yourself into trouble, whether you're working with a unionized environment or not. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of common threads, as, as you've shared, as far as this being about good practice for all volunteer engagement, uh, regardless of that work environment that you're within. Um, you did recognize, uh, put forward that a, a fourth element, uh, being more particular to the unionized work work environment, being a knowledge of the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. So if, uh, in one example that comes to mind, um, a position was eliminated, a receptionist. Just wasn't enough business coming into the office to have that position anymore. And as many not-for-profits face real financial challenges, um, 
a decision was made to push financial resources into program delivery and not that position. It's not fair if that was a position that you had in the office to recruit a volunteer to sit in what was the desk of a paid role. And so for me, as a volunteer engager, that would be uh, an example of you know, a direction that you just don't want to go in. Yeah. Um, but, if, but as long as you understand the collective agreement, work with your HR team or whoever on your team is responsible for negotiating that on the management side, and work with your shop steward to understand what are the challenges that are being faced and why are we even thinking about bringing in volunteers and helping with capacity in that way, then you can always find a way through it and you can negotiate a way through. Um, and just know that if you are working in that unionized environment, you're not going to be creating brand new roles through volunteers who are coming in. You're going to be supplementing and supporting the staff who are there with bits and pieces of work, creating little projects, and just breaking it out in different ways, but most of all through really clear communication. Yeah, it kind of circles right back again. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, the relationship development, I think, within that unionized workforce. Um, you know, what I've walked away with today, I'd more appreciated kind of understanding that there are many more perhaps key stakeholders, if you like, in, in nurturing an environment that supports significant volunteer engagement and uh, and really uh, being kind of pulled out from the main points that you've put forward. The the great news, I think, also that I've, uh, in connecting the dots, if you like, that today's volunteers, we know that it's the, the, the smaller bite-sized opportunities yes, that they're actually really interested in. Yeah. Uh, so seeing that is, uh, well, it's it's great, really, if that's if those are the types of volunteer roles um, that are likely to breed more success buy-in from from staff in that the roles are designed to support them in their roles rather than replace them. And we know that, yeah, if, even if you break down a, a receptionist role into different shifts and, and believe that you can have volunteers kind of fill those shifts, we really know that today's volunteer, if you can, if the position could be full-time, chances are the role isn't going to be a of significant interest uh, to to this next generation of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so thank you, Jill. Any last closing words or tips for success that you'd like to leave listeners with? Just as Vantage Point has been teaching all of us, just believe in a place of abundance. Don't come at it from a place of fear. Put what you want to accomplish on the table. Have open, clear communication. And just believe that you can find the people that you need to help get the things done. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jill. It really has been just amazing, as always, to have you near. Jill and I have worked together um, with Vantage Point, but uh, on the topic of volunteers uh, out there in community, and uh, and I'm sure we'll have that opportunity again, Jill. Uh, But thank you for trying out this different mode of uh, getting the news out there. Finally, we'd like to, again, thank our sponsor, Humanity Financial Management, rock-solid reporting for causes that count. And to our listeners, we hope you'll tune in to our next edition, published the third Wednesday of every month. We encourage you to submit your ideas for upcoming podcasts through our podcast blog page or via email to info at thevantagepoint.ca. Thanks again.